What's up and welcome back. This is week 14 of That Scale RC Show. I'm your host, Adam Dean, along Jeremy Kendall. And we have a special guest with us tonight. How about we let our special guest introduce himself? Um, Ty Campbell from Tekken Racing. So I know this has been a while. We've been trying to get more people in. And also due to the fact that last week was a holiday with 4th of July, we hope we just let everybody enjoy their celebration and said we're just going to get back into it this week so here we are so as usual we like to start out um with a few icebreaker questions um this just so you can kind of get to know our guest caller like i said that's probably the hardest question that you're gonna ask but uh we'll just start with the first one so the first question i don't know if i could pick one you know i've got i've got an ascender i've got an mst i've got the vanquish rig scx 10s you know one and twos i've got rc full drive stuff and they're all just a little bit different from one another so they all drive a little differently they all have their own quirks um if I if I have to pick one, I'm just gonna go with the OG SCX10 because that was like my first scale kit that I didn't garage build myself. Like when it first came out and had like that power wagon kind of body on it. Oh, okay. that was my first scale truck. Wow. That was the what was it the something Betty or something like that? It was a cool body. I I think so. Yeah, there was the Betty, like the one that had like the bomber looking graphics mm-hmm. on the AX10 body. That looked like an old power wagon, and then then there was the Betty that looked like like the '57 Chevy. Yeah, yeah, that's the one that I'm thinking of, not the Betty, because that was on the AX10 platform. No, actually, you are correct. Um, They they used the Betty body that or the name for the Betty body on both of them. Ah, okay. (laughs) Because yeah, because I have that that exact. I have the box from mine sitting in the shop, and every time I look at it, it says on there includes axial Betty body, but it's not the, I guess, OG Betty body. Right. They called it the custom. I think is what it was called. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. History lesson there. So, well, that's funny you say that because that's the same. That was my first truck getting into it too. Nice. Yeah, so, I think that's that's probably, I mean, that was one of the first kits, you know, that was like, oh my gosh, it's got, you know, scale frame rails and all the stuff and the axles mm-hmm. are right, and, you know, because before that I had like this TCS trail, uh, crazy chassis with, you know, Tamiya TLT axles and then like stampede wheels and it was just a hodgepodge of stuff to make a scaler underneath one of those like HPI Savage Rubicon bodies. Yes. And that was my first true scaler. Well, it's taking Sweet. it way back. Yeah, yeah well, it's funny. 2006. Because, <laughs> yep. That was gonna say, well, you got yours before I got mine. I got mine in 2008, but it was still that. It, that kit was, you know, the option that I went with. And it's funny because the first time I brought that out to an event in 2010, somebody, by then, they've already revamped that kit. So when Elio was helping me fix something he was like why are some of your screws Phillips and why are some of them Allen heads and I said because those are the screws that were in the kit <laughs> like why are you getting mad at me <laughs> right. so that's how old those kits are yep I think so. I got mine in 2007 because I went to 
the Montana scale gnats in Helena, Montana, 2006 and 2007. And uh, I want to say that we, we won one in a raffle there, and, and we had built two of them to take to that competition, and then we won a third one that I actually put together in the hotel room that night, and then we trailed it the next day. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> nice. I was paint. I was rattle cannon bodies in the shower. <laughs> in the hotel room. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, okay, so second question is, what would be your favorite place to go crawling? Favorite place to crawl? There's some really good spots, probably within 20, 30 minutes of my house, because we live. You know, up here in McCall, right on Payette Lake, um, the lake is about 21, 22 miles all the way around, and just about halfway back, probably, probably 11 miles from my house, and it's kind of on the east side of the lake. There's this like huge, just open granite area where there's these just giant rock formations, and there's foot trails and stuff from all the traffic because people jump off the cliffs right there into the lake, and. I mean, there are scale miles of terrain out there. Like, I'll go out there with, like, three, four battery packs and just burn myself out. Like, I get tired of driving because you can't cross the same line twice. There's just so much terrain to explore. That's awesome. Um, Man, that sounds amazing. That's probably my favorite spot just because the, the view is really awesome. You're about 100 feet up above the lake, and it's just the scenery plus the terrain together is just, like, wow this is so cool and it's literally right on the side of the road like i can park and walk 20 feet and be on a trail and then just start driving from there wow that's awesome yeah you're definitely going to make a lot of us that aren't you know don't have that kind of or the access to something like that you know in our backyards like that you're going to make them jealous (laughs) i'm sure i've even got a course right in my front yard too that takes about (laughs) a half an hour to go like all the way out to one end and then all the way back oh, wow. and it's wow. it's super technical built into a big uh, rock retaining wall that's actually holding all my front yard and everything up the hill um, wow. and we built it back in like 2004 2005 when we were doing like shafty comp rigs and stuff so it's it's really tough with a scaler wow that's awesome <laughs> it's fun nice um so favorite event favorite event well i would definitely have to say the first axial fest i went to is probably my favorite event you know and that's counting race events and rcx and i hobby and like all these big trade shows and big races um because i mean i love racing it's it's fun i've been to a lot of roar nationals i've been to a lot of regionals i've been to just club races and i mean those are all a lot of fun but something about that first axial fest because it's the first time i'd ever been to cisco and it was small. I mean, there was probably, I think there was less than 100 trucks total. So what year was your first Axial Fest? Uh, uh, 2012. Okay, so. Yeah. So you started going, that would be two years before I started going. Yeah, and it was little. That first two years, it was it was pretty small, and then it just exploded. Well, yeah, it was still pretty small when I went in 2004. It wasn't really till 2015 that started gaining traction, and then I think by 16 it was just like a huge explosion. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, always a fun time. Um, current number of rigs owned. 
<laughs> oh boy. I guess I should have counted before I left the shop. Um I it's funny cuz I actually I actually did count up like every RC in the building, like micros, minis, scalers, buggies, all of it. Snow cats, tanks, um <laughs> Planes, yeah. There's, if it's RC, I probably have one or have had one at one point. And I think, including everything that I can drive with a transmitter, I think there was just shy of like 200. Wow! Holy! No wonder Jay started laughing when I asked this question. <laughs> I knew it was. Well, they're, they're not all mine. They're not all much, mine. Though. That that's way more yeah. than I thought. <laughs> they're not all mine. Like there's a bunch of display cars. Um, a lot of the guys that race, you know, they've got usually around seven or eight cars because they do carpet, they do on-road, they do eight-scale, and then they've got crawlers and, you know, with with 12 people working in there and, like, everybody at least having one rig, like, they start adding up pretty quick. Oh, yeah, I believe it. Man, I was going to say, I don't think we're ever going to get somebody on this show that has more cars. Yeah, that may, that's, that's probably going to be or, a record. That'll be a record for sure. Man. Um... So, if you had to pick between comp or trail days, which one would you prefer and why? Uh, I think I'd go trail, definitely. Um, mostly just because of the, the relaxation and enjoyment factor. Like, I love competing, but, you know, being a racer for so long, like, I got into scalers kind of to get away from all that, like, high pressure, you know, just... I have to do good. I have, you know, because I always feel like I have to place somewhere up high enough to make it worth going, which I know doesn't really make sense to some people, but it's just a standard that I hold myself to. And especially being a manufacturer and going out as a representative of a company, like you just, you have like added pressure. That's true. On it doing it that, does so. definitely add a little more pressure to it. Oh, yeah, yeah, you I know, totally people kind of have an expectation of you, even if, even if they really don't, like I feel like they do. And, yeah, I, I would say trail for sure. It's just fun to go out and relax and, and trail and, you know, geek out with scale trucks and use scale winches and do all that fun stuff. Hell, yeah. Um, do you have a favorite scale tire? Favorite scale tire. I think I really like the Axial, the Nitto, the 1.9 Nitto tire. Mm -hmm. um, the trail grab, and then I also like uh, probably the new Proline KM3 is probably going to take the cake for my favorite tire. Even though it's a little wide for my taste, that tire is a beast. <laughs> oh, yeah, I love the KM3. <laughs> yeah. that That's a big um, winner amongst the, that scale RC show, the KM3. Um, Deservedly so. Yeah, they just work. I mean, I I do have to admit I haven't driven the the Predator compound, the standard compound in like icy snow, not like fresh powder. Didn't really work that well. I kind of would spin out more, but mm -hmm. everything else, rock, sand, mud, it handles it like. I spent a bunch of time yeah. this weekend with the one nine Wraith, and that's what's on that. And uh, we had built that. Um, built a crawler course uh, last week at uh, RC Park here, and so I got to spend a bunch of time with that KM3, and it, it 
it's really weird when you get into like loose rock or gravelly type stuff it's almost like it just sits there and just chews away and chews away and then eventually it gets traction and goes it's just a really crazy tire i've never seen a tire like work as hard as like those do it's really weird Mm-hmm. yep i agree so now this will be an interesting um answer i'm sure um which actually i think we probably should have you know made this announcement earlier uh or if i'm having a total brain fart if we already did uh because ties from Tekken. so this next question do you have a favorite motor and if so why and it could be brushed or brushless favorite motor i'm gonna say the rock 412 series um just because that was a motor that I really pushed for like because we did the Pro 4 series before that which was basically just a baby version of our T8 8 scale motor and I actually tried a Pro 4 in my Wraith at the first Axial Fest I went to and I came back home and I was like we have to make a crawler specific motor because there was you know it had the five millimeter shaft on it which was kind of a pain for pinions mm. and I was like all right we we got to change this and then you know so we did some prototypes and then tested them again had a bunch of team drivers drive them and the general consensus was we need more drag brake because in our four pole motors we designed them to where like the cog torque like the notchiness you feel when you turn the shaft by hand we were trying to eliminate that in the Pro 4 because that is resistance that the motor has to overcome while it's driving. So you're kind of, it's almost like having a supercharger on, like it, it costs some power to turn through itself. So we, we tried to eliminate that on the Pro 4 design. Well, then we had to go back to the drawing board and undo everything that we did previously and make a whole bunch of tweaks inside on the Rock 412 so that they had a lot more drag brake than the Pro 4. Mm. That's awesome. Well, there, so there's a little uh, insight to what goes on when you're getting these motors or what goes into the you know, R&D of making these. Because so, I think we've touched you know, that kind of topic-ish in previous episodes where we always say, you know, these people that come out and criticize, oh, you know, they should just do this and they should just do that. Like we've said in the past, it's not that easy. There's a lot of R&D that goes into this. Yeah, I mean, so. when we're designing a motor, you can go through, you know, 100-plus prototypes, which every one of those motors is insanely expensive because they're all one-off, handmade prototypes. So, oh, and that makes total sense to me. And it takes a long time. Like, you can't just, you know, make a decision and be like, oh, we're just going to, you know, shoot an arrow at a, at a board, and whatever it lands on, that's what we're going to change. Like, we have, you know, motor li- motor analyzing software and, like, you know, scenario software to where you go in and you tweak things by like thousands you know tiny little adjustments and material changes and whatnot and then it spits out some results for you and it's not always super accurate world real world uh like you're not going to see that happen out in the real world but we get like super geeky with the motor side of everything and like i said we do tons of prototypes and tons of variations before we settle on one we like wow yeah, um, just knowing that it's that expensive to just do one, you know, I guess rendering of what your final product's going to be, I mean, it it doesn't surprise me, you know, what, like 
how long it takes for anybody to come out with anything new these days because there's just so much to take in and like you already said you change it by a thousands and it's a whole different beast than it was before and that could be good or bad and then you have to go from there but a lot mm-hmm. of R&D um, we're almost done with the questionnaire um, do you have a favorite body that you wish was available for a scale rig for a scale rig probably mm-hmm. not an off-road body but I I really wish somebody made like a half decent looking DeLorean for an on-road car, I think that would be so cool. There would be a lot of people buying those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I would have a couple of them. Yeah. Like, no doubt. I'm surprised that hasn't been done. Honestly, that's funny. That yeah, I'm, that's it's that's probably a, licensing is probably what's holding it. Yeah, up. probably that's probably huge. That's a really hard car to get licensed. Yeah. Of. Yeah, but I'm also just surprised that somebody hasn't tried to do their own one-off scratch build, though. You know, I seem to recall seeing. Probably some more 18th scale stuff, because um, I, I remember when I was like hardcore into like mini Z's and stuff back in high school. Like that was the thing was scratch building, you know, model kit bodies and all kinds of stuff. And I I do remember seeing some guys do some pretty crazy 24th scale DeLoreans. Um, and then I I seem to recall an 18th scale that because the guy had I mean I've got an 18th scale Sunstar DeLorean on my shelf. Um, that he tried to replicate and actually like make the panels out of really thin aluminum, Whoa. so that it would dent and, and mash up. And <laughs> wow! And he had it on like a RS4, like the little HPI Micro RS4 chassis. I want to mm-hmm. say that was a long time ago, though, man. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, so if you were to walk into a hobby shop right now and purchase a scaler, what would your next purchase be? Uh, I would probably go get myself a TRX4 Sport. Really? I think so. I don't have one, um, but, I mean, from what everyone says and the videos I've seen, it's a pretty good rig out of the box. Yeah. And it just, it interests me, that that chassis, like I've never really looked at one up close, you know, other than underneath the body at, at a comp, you know, pick it up on the ground and, Oh, what's under this thing? Oh, it's got portals. Oh, okay, it's Traxxas. Like, I, I'm not familiar with this one yet, so I would probably pick up one of those because I need to build one. I think I probably would have nice. gotten one of those if it had been available rather than the Bronco. Just because of the Bronco, yeah. it just seemed like we, I, where we are at least, there was a lot of features, you know, the, the, all the bells and whistles of that thing, we didn't really use any of it, so the Sport definitely is kind of probably the it, it'd be interesting to see what kind of numbers are doing with those versus the other models i would guess that the sport would be would do better because realistically and this is just my own personal opinion which i know doesn't really mean anything but like all the options that you have like the different like locking and unlocking differentials and the two-speed transmission and all that stuff i've really never needed that crawling or scaling it's like kind of just point and shoot you know i've never really said oh, i wish i had an extra you know an, ex- an extra speed so i can go a little faster it's normally like no this is too fast we need to slow it down so right. <laughs> i mean i don't know so for me 
having all those extra servos and extra things that switch, I, it's just more than needed. So that's why I would say the Sport would probably be a better seller. And the fact that it all comes down to the dollar. Um, I think the regular TRX, like the Bronco and the Blazer, I want to say they're in the 500 almost $600 range. I'm not too familiar I think you're right. Yeah, they're like two hundred dollars more than the sport. I want to wow. say exactly. So the sport with the tracks was kind of a weird move. Yeah, I mean, I can see the allure. Like, their tracks are tracks are really cool if you have some that work half decent. Yeah. This, but that's the trick. Like, I I think Traxxas actually did their homework, and I think they made those tracks actually work really well. Yeah, they're probably really good. I just didn't. I didn't I've, expect to see them yeah. released on a car. I thought that was kind of trippy. Yeah, I thought they'd kind of keep them as a, you know, like an add-on popcorn kind of stuff. <clears throat> so, final question, and then we'll have the whole icebreaker series out of the way. Uh, do you have a favorite hobby shop? Favorite hobby shop. You know, I think the the Hobbyplex out in Omaha was probably one of my favorites, mostly because they had two really nice tracks. They had a really nice eight-scale track that was all covered, and then they had the, the indoor track that was like the Hobby Shop had these big old windows that you could look out and look down on the pits and the oh, track. Oh, wow. Um, wow. Yeah, it was, a, it was a pretty sweet setup. I, I think that one's probably my favorite that I've been to. Nice. Um, so yeah, so that basically wraps that up with our icebreaker. Um, is there anything else that you would like to throw in, and otherwise we're just gonna see where the ball rolls? Um, I don't think so. <laughs> so Jay, do you have anything? Mm, no. <laughs> no, I, I mean, there's, say, there's like a million things I want to talk about, but I'm just as far as like all the interest stuff goes now. No, we're good. Right. <laughs> so, 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 entertain us. What would you like to talk about? Oh boy, I don't know. I'm really busy getting ready for Axial Fest, as you probably could have guessed. Yes, I'm in the same boat, but probably not as busy as you. Um, how about you take us through really what it takes to be a? I mean, actually, this is actually the question. Um, so you guys are a vendor again this year, correct? Or not vendor, but sponsor? Uh, yeah, yeah, and I think I think they do have like a vendor row that they're setting up for us in the parking lot. Okay, okay. So I so then you know walk us through what you know a business has to go through getting ready for an event like Axial Fest. Um, it's 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 a lot of work, but it's fun work, so it doesn't seem like a ton of work, like. I will admit, like, hobby shops, you know, when RPP and A-Main and then CKRC and those guys were hauling, like, a ton of stuff and setting up, like, a store mm-hmm. on site, those guys are definitely doing a lot more than I am just for sheer, you know, packing space and, you know, making sure all that stuff's running and having their computer system up and going. And um, But for us, I mean, I, I basically have a list that I started back in 2013 when I got back from the first Axial Fest I went to. And when I was prepping for 2013, I was like, you know what? I I kind of needed some more stuff than I took that first year because I just kind of went down as I was a sponsor, but it was just me. And I rallied down there in my Subaru and everything I could pack into it. 
and uh, quickly learned that I needed a lot more than I took because I wasn't just going out and you know driving. I, I had to support and be there for a lot of the guys that were there too. And uh, pretty much now we're up to pulling our you know 28 foot race trailer full of stuff, and it entails everything from soft goods, you know, shirts, hats, hoodies, uh, patches, stickers, you know, and then I've got boxes of product that we take for supplying the on-site hobby shops when they're there, um, and then a whole service kit, which basically has spares of everything from, you know, brush springs to motor bearings to ESE housings and all that stuff has to come with us. I, I basically have to pack up, like, half of our tech area and take that with me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And then obviously you got to throw in the you know 15 or so cars that we bring, and then all the batteries and parts that have to go with those. And since it's camping, then you get to stack, going to the store, and you know loading up a couple shopping carts worth of water and food and everything you need to go camping. And then make sure you have all your camping gear. And luckily we've got a system to where we just sleep in the trailer, so we just bring some mattresses and throw those down inside the trailer and it works out pretty nice so we don't have to bring tents and all that stuff sweet how many rolls of solder do yeah. you go through there how many how what? many rolls of solder do you go through at axial fest um you know not a ton it probably a lot less than people think because we do do some soldering while we're there like if someone has something go wrong with their stuff and they buy our stuff and they want us to help install it like i just have them put it in the car where they want it and then I'll happily wire it up for you, you know, mm -hmm. so you, I know it's got good solder connections going on. But, I mean, last year we, I probably only soldered up maybe like 12 to 15 rigs, if I had to guess. So, it's it sounds like a lot, but, I mean, I love soldering. I do it every day, and, you know, I like helping people. So, when we're just hanging out around the campsite, like, yeah, I'll fire up the soldering iron and, and burn them in for that you. is a cool thing that you guys do that and you have so much you know on-site support for your customers there that is one thing that's really really cool to see yeah and i mean we always bring a laptop and you know now we've got phones for tune in via the hot wire so i have a lot of people come up and they you know they're, they they want to tweak their settings or they just got something and they want us to put like a bass tune on it for them and then they go out and test it come back with some feedback and have me change it so, I mean, we're, we're pretty much doing exactly what we do here at the shop, just down at Cisco. Well, now it'll be Donner. So. Nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> have you been staying on top of any of the videos that they've been releasing about Axial Fest? I'm just curious. Um, I've watched a few. There's definitely been a bunch of them. Um, and I've just been so busy trying to get bills done. And, like, I'm already starting to pack for Axial Fest that... I haven't. I haven't not watched every single one of them all the way through. No, I was just curious because it is a lot that they're throwing out. <clears throat> excuse me, they're, they're throwing out this year. Um, you know, in the previous years, it's been like a couple. You know, maybe the last. I mean, two weeks before, uh, maybe a month out. This year, it seems like they've just been. You know, one after another, which is pretty cool. The only reason why I ask is because I've never crawled at Donner, so. <laughs> seeing the hype and what they're basically bringing us. And I think Parker went live today showing basically what we're, everyone will be up against. Um, it's some great-looking terrain. 
So I did catch a piece of that live video that he did today. He was getting eaten alive by mosquitoes. It looked like so. Yes, that's we'll be what packing I... mosquito spray. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, so, have you crawled a Donner before? I have not. I have only driven past Donner. Okay. So it'll be totally new, and I'm I'm actually kind of excited to crawl there. Like I love Cisco, but I feel like after what six years in a row. Mm-hmm. I definitely had like some hot areas where I'm like, oh, I love going here, you know. And but a lot of the trails were, I'm not gonna say boring, but they they were just trails. Like I, I want more like technical stuff. So like we always end up down on the the river down there, like where uh, Night Customs had Jurassic Park last mm-hmm. year, because mm-hmm. there was just so many lines you could pull down there, and it was it was awesome. That is a really but I'm excited for Donner too. for different terrain. Is there, there a river or anything that goes through at Donner, do you guys know? or To not my sure. knowledge, no. So they may not have any there's water There's that lake stuff. down there that... Yeah, there's the, that one lake. So. Well, there's... Yeah, there's there's the lake. Um, but because Donner, it's the actual ski resort. So to my knowledge, it's more of a mountain than, like, you know, a river going through it. Gotcha. So... Right. Um... Yeah, so no, it'll be interesting. Um, I do know that the Sierra Nevadas have a lot of granite, so it's going to be a lot of granite, sticky, you know, terrain, which I'm always yeah, for. Yeah, cool. Um, but yeah, so it'll definitely be interesting. Um, so Jay, what else did you have? Um, really liked it. I mean, I know the question on everybody's minds is probably going to be. Ty's builds, you know, the uh, Dakar rally trucks, those are probably the uh, two that everybody's going to want to know about. We know the the tan one, the original, that one you're just kind of doing a small revamp on, and then you've got this brand new monster. Yeah, yeah, these are, uh, these are huge projects. Like, we start out, you know, right after Axial Fest, both years, it's like, oh, we got to get home and fire up the printer, like, we got to get frame rails cut, and we got to do all this stuff, and and then it's like, oh, we got, you know, we got like nine, ten months to work on this thing. And here I am, you know, two weeks till D-Day and I still have a ton of work to do on it. <laughs> because it it's just a lot more time than I think a lot of people realize. Like, I'm not just popping parts off the printer and slapping them on a truck and calling it good. Like, I've got hours and hours of fitting parts. Like, they come off the printer and... You know, there's ABS shrinkage and like all kinds of things to account for, and they don't always just fall together beautifully like a manufactured kit would. Mm-hmm. So you're always having to trim a little here and make an adjustment here. And like on this truck, I pretty much set up the chassis identical to the previous truck, the M55, which is the tan one, and we ended up redoing the entire thing because we were <laughs> like, oh, this isn't this isn't gonna work. Like this this new truck is way bigger. Wow. You know, it's like 50 millimeters longer wheelbase. It's like almost five inches longer overall. It's like 40-ish millimeters wider track width. And, I mean, the thing weighs like almost 13 pounds, and it doesn't have batteries in it yet. Oh, wow. Wow. What do you do for drive shafts on something that long? So on the first truck, I took uh, bomber rear drive shafts and then modified them because they were longer than your standard bomber drive shaft would really want to be. And uh, I actually found a pretty cool way of doing that. They're, 
they have a hole inside that uh, the inner the inner spline mm-hmm. that goes inside the two outers. And I just took some big old like 30 millimeter M3 screws with some spacers and then just threaded them in and figured out how long I needed the whole spline section to be and then actually cut another spline up then used all thread and so I kind of artificially like changed the spline length internally oh, wow. so that they weren't too short. That, that is, <laughs> okay, that is super smart. <laughs> Well, it's it's interesting to hear a different take because my go-to, and it's never been anything that long, but I have a couple rigs where I've lengthened drive shafts. I've always just taken MIPs, cut them, and re-welded them. Oh, yeah? See, and I actually, good. I talked to Matt, and he was like, oh, dude, you know, we can we can build you a shaft that's that long. And I was like, well, you know, I don't know how many other people are going to need, you know, this exact length shaft. Um but he'd only be making uh, probably the the spline side, the long side, and then yep. he'd just leave the the other side the same as it would be on like a wraith or a bomber. Right. So. Interesting. I, I don't even know why that <laughs> popped in my head just now. All of a sudden, it just a light bulb went off. I was like, man, that's kind of a difficult thing to overcome on something that long. <laughs> yeah, and it, it took me a little bit to figure it out because I I threw them in, and you know the first time you compress suspension. The, sl- the spline gets stuck in one half, and then it lifted back up, and then the drive shaft fell apart. And I was like, "Oh, <laughs> this is way longer than this shaft really wants to be, and it's going to have some horsepower." So I got to figure this out. Yeah. And so far, they've they've held up, dude. I beat the crap out of that truck. I drive it just full throttle all over the place and jumping it, and it's heavy, and I have not had any issues with the drive line. That's awesome. It's fun to watch that thing nice. work in videos. You know, you see like the top kind of swaying and stuff, and I mean, it it the way that thing acts on camera is just super scale looking. It's really cool. Yeah, yeah, I was pretty happy with the suspension. Like we ended up using RC full drive. Uh, king shocks they're the 110 millimeter length uh medium od i think their bomber rear is the length mm-hmm. um and there's eight of them on there oh wow so we've we've got a lot of damping going on and there's only springs on four of them right so the the extras are just you know it, it made it ride really plush and have just enough body roll to where i mean i i kind of just winged it and ended up trying like four or five different shock oil weights and ended up like up at 80 weight, I want to say, in that truck. Oh, wow. You know, plus it's got Curie Anti-Rock sway bars front and rear. Oh, that was my next question, if you had sway bars on both the front and the rear. Yep. Yeah, I had to. I cut the front one down uh, to make it narrow enough, and the tire actually rubs at full lock on the inside, but I've, I've never noticed it really do anything. So, But it, it needed it bad because there's just so much weight up high. Right. In, especially in the front, those cabs are pretty heavy. Is this new one the first uh, experience you've had with the kit transmission? Um, no, no, the other one has that same oh, transmission okay. in it. Yep. Man, I don't know. But this one, I did two-speed. Oh, so. okay. Yeah, I think the Unimog's the only one that I would even consider doing a two-speed on that that we have here, just because it kind of fits that rig, I guess, but... Mm-hmm. I don't know that for whatever reason in between building that one uh, our gray curry jeep and then the unimog I somehow completely forgot every little trick I learned putting that transmission together and I struggled so hard with that thing on the unimog I don't know what the deal is I got so mad at myself I probably had it apart three or four different times it was just dumb <laughs> so the unimog um, comes with the kit style transmission mm-hmm. yeah like the x oh. does 
Oh, okay. No, that's something I didn't really pay attention to. It's got a ton of mechanical noise for some reason. Our other one's really quiet, but this one has, like, a lot of gear noise and stuff. But it's actually kind of cool because it fits the rig, you know, because it just sounds like this big, you know, machine, so... So that's what mine had, and I think that's because there's a lot of play in that one shaft. That's why a lot of people take the... um, the rubber bushing and put it in to kind of tighten up the mesh and then the shaft can't really slide back and forth in the little in the holder and mm. i think that takes away a lot of the noise oh, okay yeah i may just get one of the vanquish shafts that they have too that's like the different length so it's just it's literally i want to say i like uh two or three millimeters longer if that or something like that it's some weird because that's how off that um that shaft is hmm. So it's yeah, um, yeah. Because the same thing happened. I built mine, and I was like, "What is this? <laughs> like, it's 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 something I've never experienced before." I'm so used to the AX10. And I'm sitting here going, uh, "This thing's like binding up. It's making noises." I was like, uh, and then I found a video on YouTube, and somebody said, "Oh yeah, take the little, you know, rubber." Um, I think they use it in the shocks. Take the little rubber O-ring and you slide it over the shaft, and when it butts up against the other half of the plastic, it keeps pressure on it, and you don't get the wobble in it or the the sliding back and forth right. that it does, and it right. tightens everything up. So I don't Interesting. Know. I'll have to check that out then. That's good to know. I never noticed mine being loud because that truck has a sound box in it, and it's a big race truck like it's supposed to be <laughs> yeah loud, exactly so. yeah <laughs> yeah there is so many electronics that go into that i think people don't realize that on the surface when they see pictures of the outside of those is that when you pop them it's like you know pop the sides it's like lit up and i mean there's a lot going on inside those yeah the the, the k55 the new one that i'm trying to get done for axial fest uh, I just I just measured all of it. I was kind of taking notes as I was doing it, but it has like twenty eight and a half feet of wiring in it. <laughs> wow, that's so yeah. awesome. <laughs> it's tiny, you know. It's it's like twenty gauge or twenty four gauge, whatever the LED wiring mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. But I mean, that thing has just LEDs all over it, you know. And the the LED controller is clear back in the the fuel cell in the rear end. So all the wires, I, I tried to tuck them in all nice on this one because the other one I didn't really do a whole lot of like wire routing. I just used the lengths that, that they gave me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know what? I just want to get this thing lit. I just want to get it done for Axial Fest. And this one, I was like, I'm going to take my time and I do extend stuff and like build custom harnesses and uh, like the orange marker lights. I had to buy the LEDs and then buy the leads, buy the plugs and get all that stuff so I could plug it into my light box. And yeah, there's there's going to be close to 30 feet of wiring in it total by the time I get batteries and the sound box and everything in That's it. That's pretty impressive. Wow. <laughs> That's wild. How many, uh, how many hours do you have, you think, into printing that thing? Is that something you guys have kept track of? Oh, I wish I was keeping track of machine hours. Um, if I had to guess, it's like 200... I actually just checked the file the other day, and it's like 268 parts, I think, that we're up to now wow. that are individual printed parts. Wow. <laughs> That's unreal. So, yeah, some of them are, you know, 15 hours plus print time for, like, the roof. Um, well, no, I take that back. This one, we split some stuff up so that we were 
printing a little more efficiently than we did on the other truck. But the other truck had like a 22 hour print in it, which was like the whole front nose piece and the cab floor is like all one big print. Um, and in this one, we broke all that up so that it was a lot more small prints, but I, I don't even know where to guess on how many hours of print time there are. I know I there's at least two or three hundred hours worth of drawing time that Zach has done. Oh, on the easily, thing. yeah, I bet. God, that's wild. That's so cool. My though. guess would be at least at least a month and a half. Yeah, because probably. if you just do like an, if you just do an average, you know, if an average print can take anywhere between four to six hours or more. I mean, do the math right there. You have over 200 and something parts, 260 parts. That is amazing. Man, that's yeah. crazy. It's it's thousands of hours. <laughs> wow. That's one of those things that whenever I start something, it's like, okay, I'd like to kind of keep a detailed, you know, recollection of everything that's going into this. And, you know, maybe I'll document the build like some people do. And, man, I never end up doing any of that stuff. Like, I swear it just doubles the project length anytime you start trying to keep track of stuff. And it's it's hard. Trav wants to go to, like, a, a time management software for us for, like, job time and stuff and machine time. And it's, uh, I don't know, it, I probably don't want to know a lot of things <laughs> when it comes to that. <laughs> so... Yeah, but if you're making stuff, you know, for resell, you have to know so that you know what you know how to price yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, I mean, we, I just do it real basically, you know, with like what it is per linear per square foot, depending on what the material and that's kind of it. Just kind of do it the old-fashioned way. But I don't know. It, it's funny, mm -hmm. like any of those big projects. So it's like, okay, I'm going to do it right. And we're going to take pictures through the entire thing, and nope, never happens. Well, and I just get so like into, like when I get in a groove and like things are happening, like. I'm, I'm getting parts to fit and like things are going together nicely. I honestly like I forget to grab my phone and snap a picture like I'm horrible at mm -hmm. it too. Like I'll I'll get some like after like a whole stage of stuff has gone on like over the week right. to try and do like an update but I'm like dude if I took a picture of every single part that went on this thing like it'd be insane amount oh, of work. Yeah. Even though I probably should just do it, but you know, I get so excited to start putting things together, I just I flat forget to take pictures. Maybe next time you guys do something that's you know like this, but maybe on a smaller scale, that would work out well. Trying to do it that way, you know, something that's well, not we, take as much time. Yeah, I don't know. I've I've definitely I videoed a lot of this one. Like I'm still videoing of it going together final assembly, so I'll have at least have like some time lapse footage. Mm -hmm of it going together. That'll be cool. Um, but it's not from, like, you know, every part got torn down. Like, I painted, like, all the back cage assembly. It was all one part, but there was, like, 40 parts. So I didn't video that deep, deep into right, it. But right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You could probably just do, like, you know, chunk segments, like, meaning, like, okay – this is what it looked like and obviously when you do the next one even if you added 40 parts which is like only five percent of the build you're going to see the difference in the two picture comparison or even video clip comparisons so uh, being that big of a build i don't think you'd have to do every single part just to get the point across how much it's changing right yeah yeah you'll occasionally get like the i've got a lot more pictures of this one than the last one like i think i only had 150 pictures of the other build and I've got like 500 of this one so wow. I definitely took a lot more 
um, and just different angles of things and like you know put up a backdrop and stuff so it was a little bit more nice. professional looking and like all right we did a bunch of work and then like here's what happened this week and then it's a nice bunch of photos showing all the stuff anybody that's been following you guys too i'm sure that they probably have noticed you're you've really stepped up the video game for teak and like your your guys's product videos and stuff have been fantastic so i know that that's uh been really exciting for people to see and then plus i mean are are you noticing uh like an increase in like engagement with your customers you know now that you're you know like is there more of an interaction now that you've got like some really incredible videos that have like a high production quality are you capturing their attention you know with these products or is it uh I don't know. I, I think we definitely are because before, like, you know, we had some tech videos and stuff on our YouTube, and I, uh, you know, I really wanted to start doing, like, the, the Tekken Builds series, which I've been slacking on the last couple weeks, but I have a good reason because I'm trying to get ready for Axe Fest <laughs> and get this truck done. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, definitely people are, you know, we're getting a lot more comments, a lot more messages. Like, people will hit me up and ask me, you know, like, about the, the 8XE that I built. Um, and it's not all positive feedback, but you know, feedback's feedback. So I don't, sure. I don't take it too hard if someone's like, oh, I don't like this or I don't like what you did there. I'm like, yeah, whatever, dude. It's not your car. It's mine. And uh, yeah, thanks, thanks for watching. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll uh, mental note that. <laughs> you've you've kind of got like the action stuff down perfect too with the product videos and everything with the slow motion and I, I mean it's just. They're exciting videos to watch, even if they're, you know, 10, 15 seconds long on Instagram. Like, it's still exciting to watch, and it definitely, I know for me, it captures my attention really well, you know, and it's like, oh, okay, what, what do they got going on now, and so. Yeah, well, and I've definitely, I've been watching, you know, what some of my inspirations are doing, and, you know, taking notes here and there, and then it's just, it's just going out and doing it. Like, you take a bunch of shots, and you know, out of 20, you might get two that are worth something. Yeah. Well, it's, oh, I know, I know how that Good to know is. that happens to other people too, then. I don't feel so bad. Uh, no, I, no it, plan for it because it's going to happen. You're going to fill up hard drive space with garbage and have to sift through and delete it. And I don't even delete the bad stuff because every once in a while you find like a clip that you watched it when you're out in the field and you're like, wow, that's terrible. And then you get back to the shop and you're like, oh, I can actually do something pretty cool with this. Yeah, it looks great. What kind of, what are you shooting most of this stuff with in case people are wondering? Um, I shoot some of it with my phone, believe it no or not. No kidding, wow. Um, I shoot a lot of it with my Pixel on just a handheld gimbal. Because mm-hmm. um, the thing takes really good slow-mo. It's not like 4K or anything, but it's, you know, for Instagram and like little stuff like that, it's, it's perfect. So I usually shoot a lot with my phone. Um, I do have a GoPro. And then I've also got a uh, Nikon uh, DSLR that I shoot a lot of stuff with, too. Is that what you use on most of the studio stuff, then? It's a Nikon? Yeah, the Nikon is pretty much... I don't take it outside um, a whole lot, mostly because I don't have a rig to really like hold it with and, and keep it safe. Right. Um, and then I do have a little Sony, um, just a you know little digital camcorder that, that does shoot in 4K um, that I do have a rig for that we go out and shoot a lot of stuff with that, too. Is it, so it's kind of a mix of stuff. Is it usually just you and Zach shooting video, or who who's like your go-to guy there that you drag out with you? Uh, yeah, usually it's it's Zach and I. Like we'll kind of take turns, and I'll drive, he'll drive. Because um, sometimes, like I'm, you know, you get that like artist eye where you're like, oh, I can see the shot that I want, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like 
if I, if you're not the guy behind the camera, like you're probably never gonna get that right. shot. No, that makes sense. So, yeah, it's it's mostly Zach and I. I have my dad shoot some stuff every once in a while for me, or drive, mm-hmm. so that I can film him. Um, and then my buddy Jeff Parker, whenever he's up here, and he just got a new DJI drone that we're gonna go start playing with. So I'm pretty excited about That'll that. That'll be cool, definitely. Yeah, that uh, RC park that I was at over the fourth. Um, they want to do like a like a map, you know, like when you pull into like a KOA or like Cisco or wherever, you know, how you have like a map of the area and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna get some drone shots, and then I get to draw the whole thing in Illustrator and have kind of a map of the property so that people know where to go and stuff. So it was it, nice. That'll be kind of a fun deal. Yeah, it's kind of funny. Drones have started to catch my interest, not so much for like, you know, as weird as it is, filming RC-related stuff. It's more for just getting like any kind of uh, scenery shots or scenic shots. Um, Yes. Because like I've, you know, I've watched numerous stuff on YouTube and some of the stuff that these these guys film and you're just like the angles and the areas that the drones can go – is just like it just really changes the whole oh, perspective of what you're it's viewing. It's beautiful. It starts looking like cinema after a while, you know. I mean, it's the stuff they capture. Ex- exactly. I tell you what. Yeah. This, so. It's B B roll. It's important. Yeah. It's, it's actually a lot of people say B roll is more important than when you're ac- than what you're actually trying to shoot. Sometimes. I can see that. Because it, it's all about setting. You know, it's all about setting that atmosphere and like you know catching people's eyes. You like it's it's the hook. A lot of it is right. the hook. Exactly. This is a little off topic, but I wanted to tell you guys because this is something that was actually really cool. So we were out at the RC park and they were setting off fireworks out there for the fourth, like mortars and stuff like that. And one of the drone racer guys had three sets of goggles that were set to his channel. And he went up and he was actually like flying through the fireworks as they're going off in the air and stuff. It was absolutely amazing. It was one of the craziest looking things I've ever seen, like being like right there when the stuff's going off. And he's like flying through it and it had dimension and stuff. It was, it was really, really cool. I've never been much of a drone guy other than just, you know, I think they're a good idea for, you know, for filming purposes and stuff. But that was one thing that I was pretty impressed with was the ability to do that. I'd never seen anything quite like it. Wow, that sounds awesome. It was, it was. Yeah, that's cool. kind. Of- you know, you get to be like old, like me, after a while, and it's like you don't really care about Fourth of July anymore. Like fireworks don't really do much for you, but that was definitely a, a pretty <laughs> cool experience. So it was kind of a neat deal. Yeah, we always go up to. Well, recently, uh, we've always gone up to Auburn, um, actually to Lake of the Pines, and they have their own firework display over the lake so we so everybody always tries to fight and get like the best prime spot to see everything and this was the first year i noticed there was actually like two or three drones up in the air like right where everything was going off so i was like that would actually be a cool sight to see the fireworks from a different perspective because you're always used to sitting on the ground staring up at them Mm -hmm. to be like at like I guess technically like eye level or almost like looking slightly down would definitely be a different take on, you know, what happens. So that's what started getting my interest into the drones a little bit more. Um, And then actually the one that really surprisingly enough, um, I was going through videos. I think it popped up after I watched Ty's video with the VS410 with that the new one with the new motor forward or is yours the one do you not have the motor forward 
I don't have the Pro yet, no. Okay, so it, it was just your regular one that you just had wrapped up because um, I always like this, like you know, the scale real realism. Like when you actually watch your suspension work, it looks mm -hmm. like a real truck. Like that always, you know, draws me in. So then I get kind of like, you know, sidetracked and end up staring at the video for like different things than like what's really going on. So like all the dialogue starts to like, you know become like i don't even pay attention anymore but um right. it always goes into like okay here's the next video well i guess um josh just released a video crawling somewhere uh with his and uh because it kind of just rolled into that because that's how youtube works and he had some shot going over some creek and i was a river and i was just like that's what really started getting me going like okay I might need to get a drone for shots just like this because you'd never be able to glide over that creek like that without a drone right so yeah getting those angles um, I think I think I watched the one that you're talking about it was the new one that he was actually crawling up somewhere around Donner yeah I, uh, I want to say because I looked it up it was called like Washington, California, it was like an abandoned mine or something like that. Oh, okay, so that wasn't the Donner one. Yeah, that was the, the abandoned mine trip. Yeah, that one was wicked cool. So that's when I really got into like, okay, this is this is some cool scenery. Mm -hmm. so, we all need drones. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, I guess. Yeah. But, but my hardest part is how do you find one? That like I guess is what's a decent beginner one with decent footage because it's like either you find one that's like you know low budget you know easy to get into and the learning curve is not that hard but I've heard like, like the, the photo quality and the video quality suck then you spend the big bucks and you get the really good video quality but then again you're still having to learn how to drive this or fly this thing yeah I haven't so. really shopped for him all that much. Like my buddy's got uh, the Mavic Pro, mm -hmm. um, that he picked up used for like five hundred bucks. He got a steal on it because those wow. things are like twelve or something. I think for the whole setup. Wow. Wow. So like twelve to fifteen hundred, and it's it's like brand new, brand new Mavic. And I was like, oh, we're we're gonna use that thing for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the uh, one that I hear more people talk about is that Mavic Pro. That seems to be kind of the most popular. It's, I think so. It folds up. It's small. It's got pretty good flight time. It takes really good footage. Um, and it, you know, being programmable, like you can literally tell it, like follow this route. So like the creek shot you're talking about that, that Josh had, like you could literally be out there by yourself and have it follow you, and get that shot. God, that's killer. Wow. Yeah, uh, maybe that's the one my buddy has because I have a buddy who's into flying drones or actually hasn't flown it in a while. I should actually bug him and see if he still wants that. Um, but he used to do like, um, cause we're not too far away from the coast. Uh, he'd actually take trips out to the coast and get some killer cliff shots over the ocean. And, um, he was like, yeah, I used to just tell it go here. And then if I can't find it, you know, I just hit the button it comes right back to me or I can program a perimeter that it just, you know, flies around in. And I'm like, Phew. Stuff's like over my head. <laughs> it's a whole new set of skills you gotta yeah. learn. <laughs> you know, it was funny. There was um, so it. I, I'm talking about the RC park again, but it's just kind of 
in in the front of my mind while we were talking about drones and whatnot. So this place has the off-road turf track and then they have an airfield and then a drone racing field too. And there's a lot of people coming from those other areas I noticed that are get that got excited about the crawler thing as soon as we started putting the course in there. And one of the things that immediately all the drone guys started talking about was FPV crawling. And so it's kind of interesting. You know, I I think they're probably going to learn really quick that it's going to be incredibly difficult. But uh, it was just funny that, you know, the crossover of that, the the big appeal to them was, you know, being able to, you know, do FPV crawling rather than, you know, traditional. And since that's kind of their thing anyways, you know, with the drone racing. But I don't know. That'll be kind of... It, it, it'd be interesting to see, but I just have a feeling it's not going to be all that exciting. I think you're spending a lot of time staring up at the at the sky and not getting much else. Yeah, I don't know. That FPV has always been kind of weird because the only wheeling I've ever done first person has been like real one-to-one wheeling. Mm-hmm. So when you scale it down to the car, it's, I don't know, to me it would probably throw me off because if anybody's standing on the course, you'd be like, whoa, what's this giant dinosaur leg standing right here? You know, <laughs> it's like, you're, you're, you're not used to that in real life, so it would probably throw you for a loop trying to judge where to go. And plus, re- really, you can't move that camera. Like, you know, like when you're driving, right. you know, like a Jeep or a truck, you could like lean over or lean to the passenger side to kind of try and see mm-hmm. what you're going over. You're re- those cameras are kind of just stuck faced forward. So if you can't see, that could spell disaster. Yeah, there's no, you know, like tire placement or anything like that. You don't you don't get that. Exactly. Exactly. That and like the the speed at which everything happens cuz you know, with scalers like being small, everything happens a lot faster. It seems faster mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. suspension moves quicker like you fall off a rock and like it happens a lot slower in a in a big truck like you'd almost have to slow it down like all the all the footage that people do at half speed right. to make it look real you'd almost need to slow the truck down to half speed somehow cuz it's just going to be like, bouncing be around and but, yeah i could see how that'd be kind of goofy looking <laughs> yeah it'd probably make me sick honestly i don't think i can fly <laughs> those things i mean i just looking through the goggles you know when they're doing the fireworks and stuff i knew right away i was like okay this isn't for me like there's no way i could do this without throwing up so oh yeah <laughs> Birdie, yeah. <laughs> Not to mention those guys have ridiculous like hand-eye coordination and stuff. I mean, the the speed that they're going just blew my mind. So that's I definitely knew it wasn't for me after seeing that too. So it's pod racing, like that's the Dude, closest right? thing that yeah. we're ever gonna get to pod <laughs> exactly. racing. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's funny. So I heard you say that you had an MST earlier, and that's a rig that's kind of been in the front of my mind lately. Which one do you have? What? Which one's the MST? Uh, that what is it? The CF CFXW or whatever? Like it looks like a Jeep. Oh, the new one. Yeah, oh, the okay. one that was on Amy. I didn't know that you had the new one already. Yeah, nobody does. Oh, okay. <laughs> I. It's in it's in my arsenal for video build series. Like I've got a UMG ten I need to build, and then this, and I'm gonna try and throw like a no prep drag car in the mix somewhere. Oh god, yeah, so. I need to build one too. We got our first taste of that over the fourth, and yeah, I'm getting sucked into that as well. Yeah, but it looks yeah, that's fun. that seems to yeah that seems to be the next thing. It's starting to it's definitely starting to get more interest among everybody. Um, that no prep drag. Um, we've always had 
Tim talking in our ear about that, but we just never pulled the trigger on anything. Um, so for me, it just gets harder because it's like I got X amount of rigs. It's like, you know, where do I start? Because I, I mean, I have my four-wheel drive slash, and I know a lot of people, that's big in the conversion. Like people take a two-wheel drive slash and turn it into a drag car. But I'm like, you know, it's it's to me it's like another expense and i i probably know i won't use it as much so it's hard as much as i'd like to get into it yeah well we're gonna with being able to have that out at the park now that's gonna make it a lot easier because they've got a whole paved strip you know and so they had a scale strip set up and it was pretty funny actually uh so jesse munn was there for racing on saturday and uh they he camped out through the whole weekend and stuff and they did with the no prep there was only a few guys that actually like had cars you know built or halfway built and so they kind of did like a run what you run thing and so uh jesse had his eb410 with a teakin five turn in it and just absolutely spanked everything there like these guys had no idea like how quick race cars really are so it was was pretty cool to watch i mean that thing just smoked everybody so yeah there was there's uh, going to be a couple dudes motor shopping now. <laughs> I bet. Nah, it looks fun. It'll be cool. I we uh, we've talked about it on the show a little bit and kind of kicking it around. But I I think in order for it to grow out there at the diehard park, I'm going to need to kind of get involved too. And you know, everybody kind of it seems like a couple guys build something and everybody else is sort of follow them. So. It it happened with yeah. that. It's happening with the crawlers out there too. I, I I wanted to take a quick second too and just thank the guys from our club that came out to help put that thing together. Because man, it it wouldn't have happened without them, and they did a fantastic job. So, if you guys are listening, thank you very much for your help over the weekend. Uh, could ab, couldn't have done it without you. It turned out great. So, really, really greatly appreciate it. But it was yeah. The- I was going to say, that looked like a pretty decent turnout. Um, we had about 50 people show up on Sunday. That's pretty you know, Yeah, more, more yeah, than I, I was thought. Say, which isn't bad. Well, and it started off raining that morning, too, so I was like, oh, rad. So we just did all this work, like, Wednesday through all day Saturday out there building this thing, and now it's raining <laughs> on the day we're supposed to have the event. And so it it ended up working out, though. It cleared off and ended up being a beautiful day. But, oh, my God, I sore. That was so much work doing all that. Yeah, oh, building that stuff. I have mad respect for course builders, like, it's it's so much work and the planning that has to go into it and I mean you need a crew of people to do that kind of what stuff. What was crazy is like this is what kind of blew me away and why I was pretty stoked on how all of it went. So you know usually you get a situation where you've got like too many chiefs and not enough Indians. You know it's like people are kind of like have their own ideas and whatnot. And there was I I think there wasn't more than six of us there at any one time and the guys showed up. We stood around and BS'd and kind of talked about what we were going to do for maybe five minutes, and they just tore into it. Like, they didn't waste any time, and really, all we had to do, like, we had 
the course goes alongside this tr the set of train tracks and so we kind of use a little bit of the hillside you know from where the tracks are elevated and i showed him basically just you know okay here's two cones this is where this section's going to start this is where it's going to end and it's up to you guys you know whatever you want to do in between and like there wasn't like they didn't need any direction it wasn't like well what should we do like just everything that it, they did turned out awesome and it just it was effortless and i mean i i've never been part of like a group exercise before where something's gone that smoothly and there was no friction or you know wasted time due to lack of direction or anything like that it was really a strange experience because it it worked out great and it was actually really really fun so it'll be cool to expand that thing all the way down you know because there's probably at least 100 more yards of trail that we can zigzag around and put in so it'll end up being a pretty decent sized park and the plan is to you know other clubs can go there and hold events or you know it's there for people that are camping for the weekend or you know if they get done racing on the turf track go burn a couple packs over on the crawler course so that was pretty cool. Lots of dudes from the racing side getting into crawling, though. We saw a lot of, well, Associated Sponsors, their uh, off-road track in band. There was a lot of Enduros there. I bet. We, uh, we have one coming now, too, so we'll see how that goes. Nice. It was pretty impressive, yeah. man. Like, it, it is a really good-looking truck. So after seeing them up close and everything... I, th I think we need to definitely get one of those. So that'll be here Monday. So that'll be cool to check out. We're jumping on the bandwagon with everybody else. Nice. Nice. Well, I mean, yeah, it's new platform. Like it's intriguing. It's got some really cool features, and I need to get a hold of one sometime too. Yeah, I think it'll be fun. I mean, plus I need it for you know to, to template and everything else. But it's actually pretty excited about that one but like i said it was just after seeing it in action and stuff like that is a very good vehicle so that'll be cool should be pretty fun so you think that'll be on the next the next thing you guys are probably gonna pick up as one of those um i'm gonna try to like i've already got three unbuilt kits sitting just waiting to be filmed and do more build episodes so that's the hard part about um, doing that is because like by the time you get to doing it the thing's been out for a while and it's almost like the kit's almost kind of old news at that point and so that's really hard to try and stay on top of yeah and for me it's not so much like here's the the newest you know latest and greatest like we're gonna take a widely popular platform and put our stuff in it you know mm -hmm. show how i set it up and and just make some fun videos with it right you know i got my vs410 done just in time for the pro to come out so you know and it's still <laughs> still an awesome truck like i wouldn't change anything other than i want the new forward transmission yeah, in it. that thing is awesome <laughs> like that that is just absolute genius that well i just think it's kind of funny that like it, in my honest opinion, I th it's almost like something that came out of left field. Like I don't, ex I wasn't expecting Vanquish to release anything like that. I thought they were going to ride the wave for the, the truck or the transmission. <laughs> the transmission, you know, it's. I, it doesn't surprise me at all that they came out with their own truck because I mean I've had to listen to it forever. Michelle's dad has said almost since we've gotten into RC. Why doesn't Vanquish just release a truck? Why don't they just release a truck? And I'm going, because it's not as simple as you think. I was like, you know, and he's like, well, then why don't we, why doesn't someone just buy the truck, like 
buy an Axial, throw all Vanquish stuff on it, and turn around and sell it. I said, because you could do it yourself for cheaper. So you're never going to get somebody that's going to do that. So the fact they came out with their own truck makes sense. So that you know was something that didn't really blow my mind. It's the forward motor mount because either because there's I mean there are aftermarket you know companies that make forward motor mounts and whatnot and you know it's nothing that's too new but the fact that Vanquish put it in as a you know platform for their rig is kind of what blows you away because it's just something different that you don't expect from you know there to me Vanquish is always more of a hop-up part company than like a I'm trying to think of the words to use because um, I can understand it I just don't know how to put it into you know word format I'm having right. a major <laughs> computing issue no, we'll I, I get what you're that. saying, too. It's like, you know, because you see them, they come out with the Curry axles. That's a hop-up. They come out with the aluminum transmission housing. That's a hop-up. So to, to actually pave the way and come out with a, you know, functioning, um, I guess, hop-up that kind of is le- is going to be a, a game-changer for a lot of people because who knows? The next, uh, you know... The next axial that comes out could have a forward motor. The next uh, sender that comes out can have a forward motor. You know, there's a, you, you never know, you know. Or, yeah. you know, maybe the next car that comes out from Enduro, maybe they have a forward motor mount. You know, that could be the new so wave. So you're kind of saying, so, like, basically, that I think what you're trying to get across is that they, uh, they aren't necessarily known as, like, an innovative <laughs> performance company, you know, as far as, like, coming out with something new like that. Correct. Yeah, correct. So that's why I got to give them credit where credit's due. And, you know, that's a big step and a big push. And I think it was the right step. So I think it's going to be a trendsetter for sure. It's just, I I think it will be too. It makes sense. I mean, from a, from an engineering standpoint, like getting that motor forward and low, like it's just, I mean, you look at that thing from the side and like I saw somebody commented, on one of the side shots that either Brandon or uh, or Jim posted, or maybe it was Josh, but they were like, "It's so low, it looks like a touring car." Like, and it, I mean, it really does if you don't have like the inner the inner wheel flares and stuff on there, or the the inner fenders and the you know the body posts. Like, thing was just super low profile. Mm-hmm. It's pretty rad that and they you know they could have just sort of ridden the wave for of the four ten for the next year or so before <clears> coming out with another model, but you know, to turn around and what, maybe less than a year later, they already have another another model out. That's pretty awesome, really, when you think about it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, it, you know how much time goes into designing something like that. Like, that, oh, yeah. they, sure. they were probably working on that transmission, like, before the first 410 even came out. True. Yeah, good point. Think Very true. It. My only question is, are because, well, like, you know how everybody gives you know axial crap for using a lot of jeeps like oh it's another jeep you know variation do you think vanquish will it just stick with the scout style so they can stay with something that's not you know licensed or do you think you you'll ever see them step away from that scout style and go more to like a truck or you know jeep um i don't know about a jeep like everyone loves to complain about jeeps but it's like go out on the trail what do you see? Yeah. You see Jeeps and you see Toyotas. Like 
I mean, there's not a whole lot of Blazers and Broncos. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure guys wheel the crap out of those trucks. Like I had an old Bronco that, you know, we went out and did dumb stuff with it. We weren't doing like hardcore trailing or anything in it, but I'm I'm sure people wheel all kinds of stuff, you know, and and short box Chevys and like there's all kinds of stuff out there. I've seen it, but I mean, obviously, the Jeep thing just made sense. Like right. mm-hmm. I, I have nothing against them. Like I don't know why people complain about having more options like yeah there are more jeeps but so what like it's more bodies it's more options if you don't like it you can put something else on it it's not a big deal which but i mean almost everybody when you think off-road yeah but i mean when when you think you know crawling like moab and stuff like most people can be like oh yeah jeep wrangler like that's gonna be the first thing that pops into Mm -hmm. their head well because they work see that's that's the thing it's uh, you know you touched on something that's very true because that's kind of what I was into and that's what I was doing before I got into scaling was I was you know building my um, Chevy pickup to be more of a trail truck in the real world and it's not something you can just go to the store yeah you want to go buy a lift kit for it sure you want to buy you know like the simple stuff like that so you can put bigger tires and wheels on sure but doing a solid axle swap at the time was not a it wasn't like the store-bought thing. You couldn't just go down to your local foil parts and say, yeah, I'm going to solid axle swap my truck. I need uh, this, 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 and this. And they just go, oh, yeah, look, it all fits. It was more of, no, you you got to get stuff that's readily available, but you're going to have to make it work, and you're going to have to figure it out. So it makes sense when people pick Jeeps because you can go to almost any, you know, for, like any foil parts store is going to have – whatever they got lifts ready for them sway bars you know you name it they have it so it's the swiss army knife of off-road so it it, to me it makes sense and then toyota is really close too because the the toyota pickup trucks and even the old forerunners were just known for like people could turn those into a wheeler with very little effort yeah and they worked really well too. Exactly. So it it, it makes sense. So, but I was just curious to see if um, you know if if that's going to be their like um, you know trademark having that you know scout ish body, or if we'll see them you know venture into something else. I wouldn't be surprised if they end up doing a licensed body down the road, just because they already. They already know how to do all that. What with working with Curie and KMC and and Method and OMF and all those other companies that they already work with, like they know how to go about getting it properly licensed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of people like they complain about unlicensed bodies. They don't realize how expensive it is for oh, yeah. some of these bodies. I mean, some of these car companies do not just hand out the licensing for their stuff. Oh yeah. Well, I, I think the prime example is. Um, you know, look at some of the Axial cars. Like, for instance, look at the 2017 um, JK, the CRC edition versus the Deadbolt. There's like mm. almost a $200 difference in price. And a lot of that comes from the licensing of the 2017 Jeep. Yep. So, Definitely. you know, when you release your own body that really doesn't, you know, match anything in the real world then you're not worried about some company knocking on your door saying, you know, hey, where's 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 my uh, payment? Where's my licensing fee for using my product? 
Yeah, here's a bill and a cease and desist. Like no one wants. To yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, I like the origin body though. Oh yeah, I, I think it's it looks great, and the new truck version, like, oh, yeah, I'm I, I like that one. I like the honestly, I like the truck version better than the full size version. It's just something about that, you know, really captures my attention, and I really wonder if that had something to do with james knight cutting it up to make that truck conversion for the first um vs410 like i wonder if that had something to play into it to where they're like hey let's just make this a you know a configuration so it's different than the other one but we already know what it's going to look like yeah no i i guarantee you there was definitely some some inspiration right there and and i mean since they came out with a whole new pro kit it needs to have a body that looks a lot different than the other one just because then, you know, right out of the gate, you're going to be like, oh, that's definitely a pro until people start getting that mm-hmm. body separately. But I'm kind of with well, you. I like the pickups and, you know, top off cage kind of fastback mm-hmm. stuff more more so than like your full bodied SUV. Yeah, it's something about seeing that. I don't know what it is that just makes it look, you know, it's, to, to me is more eye-catching. Like, you know, because um, I had a lot of fun, I was running the um, the topper on top of my JK build, and then once I took it off, so you could see the cage, it was something about it. I was just like, "Yeah, I don't think I'm gonna put the topper back on it." <laughs> yeah, maybe for some pictures here and there, but you want to see like, because that's where a lot of the scale magic happens is the interior, like seeing the cage and all that stuff, and like I want to see the dash and the seats and everything that's in there because yeah. all that gets kind of shrouded you know and it's mm-hmm. like almost a mystery like is there an interior in there like i can't really tell and your windows get all you know scratched up and they don't look like glass after a while so exactly <clears throat> yeah i'm with you on that one so so jay um how are we doing on time we are you're the time at an hour 20 oh okay because i was say you're the you're the time master on this one Mm-hmm. We get to call you Father Time. I am Father Time. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, if I didn't feel old before, now I definitely do. <laughs> no, you're the one. You said you were old because fireworks didn't do that, it for you anymore. That's true. Yeah, that that's kind of <laughs> wow. that's a sad statement when you think about it. Like that, fireworks you should always be pumped for. Well, I mean, I don't want to take it here or there, but I mean, I'm always pumped for Fourth of July because it just, to me, it's it's getting you know the whole country, no matter what your you know political belief is, no matter what you are, whatever, to unite as one and just you know celebrate you know why we have the freedoms to do what we do, why we have our freedoms to go play with our toy cars, you know. Um, so to, that's kind of why I get a little more pumped up on 4th of July than, you know, anything else. Um, but, yeah. So to me, fireworks, they never really get old. Um, but, you know, you never know. Maybe when you get older, we might feel like Jay and say, ah, quit lighting these things off. <laughs> yeah, maybe at 2 a.m. On, on July 5th, they're a little old. Yeah, exactly. But, uh. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, man. I just it kind of lets you just step back and you're like, wow, like you know, we live in a pretty awesome place. I'm like, mm-hmm. 
there's a lot worse places that any of us could oh, be. Oh, yeah. Yep. You know, so it oh, is pretty yeah. cool just having that sense of pride, you know, and just, mm-hmm. yeah, this is this is awesome. This is a day we should celebrate, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yep, I'm with you 110% on that. <sighs> well, do you have any more questions for, for Tyson? The only other really question I had that we never really went over when he was talking about the one-off builds was, did you have inspiration for those? Or, like, what was the... Like, what made you decide, like, one day, hey, we're going to, you know, I'm going to build, like, a Dakar rally-style truck? Uh, well, and let's see. Axial Fest 2016, we had the 6x6, the Stuart Stevenson that I built, mm-hmm. that Zach and I built. Um, That was kind of, like, uh, cracking the seal on building a big truck. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one was just, like, totally didn't even have inspiration like i've always loved those trucks and there's a bunch of them there's a guy that's got a couple of them that he drives around up here and they use them for shuttling mountain bikers up and down the hill oh, wow um so i see them rolling around town all the time and i was like you know what we should we should build one of those like i've never seen a scale version of that truck like i've seen the deuce um you know the big m35 and a couple other you know the russian style trucks like the cross rc stuff mm-hmm. um and i was like you know those are really cool but they're like 12 scale like we need to build one that's 10 scale so that it fits in with all this other stuff and uh so we set out on a quest to build that six by six and i literally built that thing out of spare parts just a bunch of you know random axial stuff that was laying around and uh ended up getting a transmission off of uh i think dan wilson sent me a transmission or something for it because it's uh i think it's it's the same scx 10 two kit transmission but i actually divorced the transfer case off of it oh, wow. which took a took a little bit of finagling but i ended up making it work <clears throat> um, wow because that thing you know being a flatbed there's like no room for a transmission back there it all had to be up under the front yeah um so we built that truck learned a bunch along the way and that was like the first year we had our printer and we were like all right let's Let's get this done. We've got a printer. Like, we've got all the tools at our disposal. So we built that truck, took it to Axial Fest, and then the dude from Rebel Off-Road rolls up in Rebelzilla and parks (laughs) it, like, you know, 10 camp spots down from us where I'm just staring at it all weekend. I was like, oh, my God. And we went over and looked at it, and then I was looking at pictures online, and he looked at our 6x6 because I was driving that around, and he's like, hey, you guys should build me one of these but that size, just like that truck. And then Zach and I were like, oh, ding, yep, we're going to build one of these. And nice. that's, that's where the inspiration for the first truck came from. And we were like, yep, we're going to go home, we're going to start building it. And I literally went home and like two weeks later ordered a ton of Vanquish parts, transmission, shocks, like all the parts I needed to build it. And then we spent, you know, a good 10 months building the first one. Nice. Yeah, see, my problem with some of these builds, like, you know, I've said this before on our show, I get, like, because I still have my subscriptions to Four Wheeler and Peterson's Four Wheel Drive, I'll see a one-to-one rig and I go, ooh, that's cool, I need to replicate that. And then I'm, like, halfway through and I either see something else that catches my eye more and then I go great now what do I do with this so it either gets halted or I just abandon it altogether and start with something new it that I've noticed has happened with me 
I want to say like seven out of ten times, it's really bad. That's my that's my hardest part. So like the fact that you can come up with something and spend and dedicate the ten months to building it, I gotta give you praise for that because I'd probably end up going. All right, I'm over it. What? There's been a couple of times the the last three of these big trucks where I was over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I shelved it for you know a week or two, and I just because something would frustrate me, and then you know, or or something completely unrelated, like the printer would have issues, and then that would kill your momentum, and then it's like ah, you know, I was I was on a roll, like things were going together, and then the printer decides it's gonna you know wet the bed, and you're like ah okay, now I'm on to doing something else and then I got to like shift gears back onto this massive project that I look at the thing and I'm like, yeah, I can feel the anxiety uh, like already creeping up my back because <laughs> like, there's so much to do on this thing. So it's it's tough. Oh, yeah. But it's rewarding in the end. Like I'm just, you know, I look at the other truck and I'm like, man, that thing is so cool. This one is going to be even cooler. Yeah. Because it's, you know, the, the cab tilts, the doors open, both sides of the rear box oh, open, wow. the back of the box opens. Like, it's it's got way more features than the other one does. It's a two-speed, like, yeah, all the lighting is going to be controlled off the transmitter if the switches behave. So it's, it's going to be, like, next level above that other one. Nice. Had to one-up it. I don't know nice. how you keep doing it, but... I'm glad that you are. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad that you continue to do so because it's really fun to watch. Yeah, well, and now it's like I'm getting to the point where I'm getting closer on this one, and people are like, "What are you gonna do next?" And I'm like, "Don't, don't even ask me that right now." Like, <laughs> there are lots of these. I could build one of these every year and have each one look completely different. But just the thought of like another nine plus months on another truck when I'm trying to finish this one I'm like oh my god I'm gonna freak out like <laughs> yeah no I, I definitely hear that this is and you know it's actually kind of weird you know listening to like your side of the story this is gonna be my first Axial Fest since probably my first one that I really don't have to work on anything for Axial Fest so to say like the past there's always been like the theme so everybody's trying to build something for that theme um and or being involved like the last two years we were involved with helping ckrc and part of their trail so it's like we'd go up a weekend or two before when jason and dina were up there and we'd help you know cut a trail and so like this year it's kind of like wow you know there's you know the theme you can't like i mean i'm sure you could but the theme you can't really build a rig around so it's kind of like yeah you can add some scale accessories for the games and stuff but it's not really a theme that you can go build a car unless somebody like showed up with like you know the like the monopoly you know car playing piece as their rc car that's like right. the only like one i could think of um but you know so it's just kind of like weird to sit back and go hmm, all I got to worry about is just getting myself and my vehicles to Donner it'll so, be a nice change of pace though I think yes yeah I think it'll definitely be 
nice. It, it is going to be different, and that's what I've been trying to tell people. But at the same time, try and calm a lot of the nerves. Because, I mean, there's some people that just freak out that, that this is not at Cisco and how – you know, it's gonna ruin everything, and you know, I most don't know. of these videos, yeah. it seems like they're just answering the same questions over and over again too. Like, I can't believe we're like, you know, a couple weeks from the event, and you still have people going, "Well, is it okay if I run this rig there?" Or, I don't understand. It's like, man, but like, did everybody just forget everything from the past seven years? I mean, well, because I think what's happening is a lot of people are starting to like put their two cents into certain things because once they heard that Parker was coming back, at the at the earlier Axial Fest, I mean it's always been, you know, Axial Fest, bring your Axial rig, but in the past when Parker was involved with it, it was a little more loose because you know, the G six you can run anything. Right. And since they always advertise it in the past as a G six event i think that's why people are like oh is it like a, the old g6 so i could bring you know my you know rc4 drive you know yeah, exactly. to the axial rig you know so i don't know yeah i think people they just should play it safe and you know if, if they don't really know i mean bring it with you but bring a, an scx10 or something yeah. like I'm, everyone's probably got a rig that's that's probably borderline axial fest legal depending on how much they've really changed but there's no reason why anybody that's in the game shouldn't just have a pretty stock scx 10 kicking around yeah most people use exactly it or exactly. you know lightly modified like i love all my modified trucks but dude i go back to my my honcho which doesn't have a whole lot done to it like i'm still rocking the rtr lower links on it because they just will not break <laughs> and it's brushed it's slow it's squeaky and that thing pulls lines that my jk will not do isn't that great yeah i love that like <laughs> sleeper rigs are the best thing ever yeah well that's like this year that's why i'm trying to get the well there's not trying because there's not much to do to it but that's why i'm pretty much using my wraith one nine as my okay i know that rig is ready to go and ready to handle axial fest um you know my other builds they could break because you know you've modified them but you know i i always like to have one rig that's kind of ready to go at all times so you know that it's like old faithful it'll just go yep. did you go to it did you drive this weekend adam i thought i saw you post something about some event or something like that mm, no, no. I didn't go. I haven't. I haven't touched an RC car. The oh, you probably saw it. No, the, the most I did was um, uh, I threw motors in the Wraith One Nine and the um, the tow truck. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that that's the most I did. I I wrenched a little bit. Um, there hasn't been a lot of driving. I probably really won't be driving until Axial yeah. Fest. Dude, that you're gonna love that one nine wraith. I know I keep saying it, but like, wait till you get some wheels and tires on that thing and get it out. It is such a good rig. It's ridiculous. Yeah, that's starting. To, it's starting to be one of those things. I don't know if I'm gonna be getting wheels and tires for it before Axial Fest. I might just be rocking it the way it Which is. Would be fun too. Um, I mean, I'm. Sh it works great that way too. 
Yeah, for the whole 30 minutes, I've gotten to run it in the backyard. It's been pretty fun. Dude, it, it's been so – you're going to love it. Like it, that rig I am so excited about. Like I just – I I didn't really know what I was getting into because I had a 2.2 Wraith and it was – like it was okay. I think it was my first rig and it's like, ah, you know, it's kind of – the the whole time all I wanted to do is make it more scale or make a 1.9 Wraith out of it because with 2.2s and AR-60s, it just – everything was too easy with it. And uh, mm-hmm. man, th- this thing is just—I don't know. You, you'll you'll see it. It is surprisingly capable. I mean, it's to the point where I don't really know what to suggest to people anymore when they're wanting to get into it. Because before it was pretty easy. It's like, hey, if you're new to the hobby or whatever, SCX10 is pretty safe bet. You know, lots of uh-huh. aftermarket support, lots of forums for information and stuff. But the you know now that the wraith is out, and it, I don't know, it, it's pretty tough to pick a direction to steer people because that thing works absolutely incredible oh yeah a lot of fun Um, with it yeah i've actually done slight modifications or modding it out before really actually driving it which normally i'm like a hey let's leave it like as stock as possible and see what happens Mm -hmm. so because I did that with my uh, with the two two or the two two with the ten two honcho when they released that on the ten two platform, mm-hmm. I the most I did to it was I made that um, custom cage for the rear and threw the canvas on it and just ran it like that. I plastic bumpers, uh, no sliders, and just ran it for I want to say four or five months before I even tore it down and turned it into something else. Some of the most fun I've had with just a box stock RTR. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, or something just that's really lightly modified. Yeah, exactly. A like, little bit more steering, you know, mm-hmm. or something like that. But, <clears throat> yeah. yeah. And I always hand them to people, and then it's like they, they pull lines that I don't with my JK because it's heavy and it's got a spare tire in the back. and It's just... It's even more scale than that than the honcho that I hand them, you know, and they don't understand that right off the bat. But I'm like, Dude, this thing is like a cheater truck. Like you don't <laughs> have to do anything to it. <laughs> oh yeah, we all have those trucks. We all, you you know which ones are your crawlers, which ones are your trail trucks, and which ones you have to really work at just to get it to pull the lines you want. Mm-hmm. You gotta have those too. Like it's fun to mix it up. Like I oh, love yeah. taking my Trailfinder two out, and I'm like, dude, leaf springs. Like it's bouncy, it's noisy, it's an old Toyota. Like it's not bobbed. It's gonna hang up on stuff. I don't even care. Yeah. It's so much fun to just. Yeah. It's so cool. Like it's so different than driving, you know, any of the other trucks. Like I tell everyone, I'm like, you gotta drive a leaf spring truck. Like you might not like it, but you need to at least try it. Like I didn't think I was gonna like it at all. But I got it, I built it, and I'm like, dude, that was actually really fun to put together. And then once I went out and drove it, and then I put, uh, what were they, Pitbull, the Braven Berserker 155 mm-hmm. tires on it. And, dude, that truck will climb through some stuff. Like, that. sometimes I get jacked up with my, you know, like my Rubicon for my JK, um, just because it doesn't drop a tire clear down into a hole. Like, it just kind of, like, trikes over things and floats. And mm-hmm. it's... It's goofy, but it's it's hilarious because I'm like I'm pulling a couple lines with my trail finder that even my JK won't do. Oh yeah, there's a it's it's the right tool for the right yeah. job, and they all do their own purpose, and uh, that's why there's one 
there is one person that's kind of inspired me to want like to build a leaf sprung rig and it's this guy scale monkey he's got he does nothing but like the rc four-wheel drive blazers but he's got yeah. this one and it's four linked or it's four linked it's it's leaf springs on all four corners and it's just like that looks so scale i need to build one it's just my problem is that's a hefty mm. price tag for that um rc four-wheel drive blazer the entire package yeah because just the body itself is expensive the body itself is expensive, but when you look at it with the actual, because basically I think it's a trail finder underneath it. Mm -hmm. um, I want to say it's almost like five hundred bucks, and that's just and that's and there's no electronics. Yeah. So I'm like, Ugh. for the super scaleness though, like it's it, you're building a model kit. Like that body is like so accurate. Yeah. And it's hard body. Like it's it's so much different than a Lexan body truck for sure. Oh yeah, I mean one day I'll have to do it just because I'm a big Chevy guy, so I know I'll have to do it. So maybe that'll be my uh, next project. I don't know. I always say that, and then something, and then somebody else throws a new rig out and puts a wrench in my whole entire plan. <laughs> right? <laughs> you can never have a plan in this. Like it's like some oh new ooh shiny oh that's new. I gotta go over here and do this now, and it's like this project gets left or. Yeah, yep. whatever rig you wanted I, to get, you're like, no, I'm gonna go get this one now. <laughs> oh, I know exactly how that is. I tore down my uh, my um, my new Kaiser with the truggy back half because I was gonna make it into something else, and I was like, in the middle of doing body work, and they can't. What did they come out with? Uh, I forget what they came out with, but it, it might have actually been when they came out with the deadbolt. And I ended up getting a deadbolt, and I just never really finished it. That all kind of got boxed back up and said, okay, one day this project will be complete. But <laughs> until then, I'm going to mess around with this. Yep. <laughs> that happens to the best of us. Yep. Well, we so. should probably – we're at an hour 40, and you got kids and everything else to say goodnight to, so we should probably call her quits here. Tithe? Oh, there! I put them in oh. bed before we even got on the phone. <laughs> oh, so. good. That's right. I forgot they are pretty <laughs> little, and it's ten o'clock there, and it's only nine o'clock here. So that's yeah. right. Well, they better be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, dude, thank you very much uh, for uh, coming on the show and talking with us. Really appreciate it. It was a good time, and uh, yeah, just it's it's always cool seeing what you guys are up to. It's uh, not very often that a uh, manufacturer is cranking out vehicles like what you guys do you know it's nobody uh there's not many people that go quite to that extent of scratch building rally trucks to help show off your products so um yeah just you guys do amazing work as as always and it's definitely fun to tag along and watch and see and uh, see what's going to be next so thanks again well, yeah, I'm glad you guys asked me to be on, and I'll I'll definitely have to be on more. It's it's a good time for cool. sure. Right on. Man. Oh yeah, no, just chatting about it. I don't get to talk oh. this kind of stuff very often. Like I can at work a little bit here and there, but like I'm the only like hardcore like scaler dude in the building, pretty much. Like my dad's got a few, Zach's got some, but I'm just like over here like scale builders guild and RC crawler. Like they're always open, and I'm like, <laughs> just you know looking through people's build threads like i'm looking at you know josh's channel on youtube and and matt's on sbg and just 
yeah, I, I definitely breathe the scale side of the hobby a lot more than everybody else does. So it's it's nice to be able to just talk about that kind of stuff. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah. no, This was an awesome episode. I had a lot of fun. That's why I had to ask you what time it was because I'm like, man, we've been talking – like it felt like forever. So I'm like, I don't want to be like, oh, we're at hour three and we're <laughs> still blabbing. Right. <laughs> It didn't even feel that long to me. Like I'm sitting outside and I'm like, oh, it's still kind of light out. Like it's not dark yet. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, um, I'll definitely be seeing you in two weeks. Um, And I think that's really about it. Yep. Yeah. Axial Fest is is coming fast. I got – thanks for reminding me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm excited though man it's like the one event every year that I'm just like I get pumped and it's like the year kind of happens like it revolves around Axial Fest for me almost and I hope to add I want to add like you know K&K I want to go out and do that one of these days I want to go to Proline by the fire and uh, I just need to make it happen like now that my kids are a little older I should be able to travel some more and and have a couple more Axial Fest-esque events thrown into the year because they are super fun. Yeah, oh yeah, they're they're a blast. Yeah, um, I know. Me and Jay have talked about this. Uh, Proline by the Fire is definitely one I'd like to um, attend at least once, um, especially since it's in my home state. It's just an eight-hour drive. Right. So yeah, it's like what it was it for me when I looked. I think it was like sixteen or something. Uh, if I was to drive down there. God. Man, so probably even further for you, Jay. Yeah, it, it's thirteen just to get the Cisco for us. Yeah, <laughs> seeing we're Man. call it twelve to get to Cisco with stopping and like pulling the trailer slows us down a little bit. When I was in my car by myself, I was getting there a lot faster. We'll just say that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> no, that goes uh, right on. All right, well, it was a good one. Um, I'm going to let you close it out, Jay. Sounds good. We will uh, catch everybody next episode. And uh, thanks again to Ty from Tekken. And on behalf of Adam and myself, we'll catch you nerds later. Sounds good.